Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about students heading back to school. There's so many things that are involved with that, and we could look at a lot of different things, but we want to encourage our students to carry Christ with them as they step back into the classroom and the hallways and the cafeteria and help them to be a light for Jesus Christ. And so we have a special guest with us today, and I'll introduce him in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to thank our podcast partner. It's a place that's gearing up for school as we speak. It's Central Baptist College of Conway. They are caring and loving. Uh, my daughter has been there now. She'll be starting her, well, her fifth year. She's only going to take four and a half, though, to finish. Uh, but she walks away with two degrees, so we're excited for her. Uh, we love the people there, the staff. The place is just simply encouraging and challenging and inspiring. And so if you want to find out more about them, reach out to cbc.edu. If you're trying to finish up a degree yourself, you can do that as well. They have what's called their PACE program. Many options are online. And so just reach out again to cbc.edu. As I mentioned, today we're going to be talking with a guest about encouraging our students as they step back into the classroom and talking about the first priority clubs of America. I have Brad Skelling with us on our podcast, and Brad, just we're thrilled that you're here with us. Thank you, Dan. It's, uh, it's good to be here today. Well, Brad, um, I am not as familiar with the first priority clubs as I am with things like FCA, Fellowship of Christian sure. Athletes. Um, that's something that I, you know, the schools that I had um, way back in the dark ages when I grew up <laughs> that they had. I don't remember First Priority, although it may have been around. Tell us a little bit about First Priority. Well, First Priority has been around for 25 or 30 years, uh, various parts of the country. But uh, our mantra, our goal is to take the hope of Christ to every student in the United States. We do that through student-led Christian student-led clubs called First Priority Clubs in the middle and high schools. Uh, we know and believe that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in every community in America. Uh, he's using his people to redeem his creation. You know, if we empower, even if we take the worst stats down to maybe even 4% of the, the teenage population is uh, Christian, Bible-believing Christian, we still have a, a fairly large army, millions. And so Let's empower those millions to see their school as a, as a mission field and give them the resources that they need to share the hope of Christ with their peers. Um, the other side of that is we believe that many students, teenagers these days, uh, haven't rejected the gospel, the good news of Jesus. They simply haven't heard it. Uh, Jesus is a curse word in their music or whatever the case might be, and they just straight up have not heard the gospel. So 
Let's take that army of believers that's in the middle and high schools, walk in the halls of schools every day, um, rally them together and give them the tools they need to share the hope that they have. I love that. I love the mindset and I am terrified and pained, I think is a better word, Yeah. about the simple fact that so many students have just simply not heard the gospel. Yeah. Brad, let's find out a little bit about you. I know that you serve with First Priority. Uh, yep. You're the Executive Vice President of Operations there. Um, tell us a little bit about, about you and your ministry. I do a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff nowadays. Uh, I get to oversee uh, some of those stuff. But I started as a youth pastor in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at least with First Priority. I spent my first three years in Washington State, uh, pre-Columbine, talk about the dark ages. There's, mm. there's some of them for you. Yeah. Um, where you could walk on a school grounds, uh, buy some 29 cent bean burritos and interact with as many <laughs> students as you wanted to. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, the glory, glory years, uh, when I moved to Sioux Falls, it was post Columbine. Actually my first Sunday at the church or first Wednesday at the church was September 12, 2001 mm. in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So the day after nine 11, and uh, yeah, the world's changed a lot since then. The schools have gotten a lot more apprehensive about who comes on campus, what happens, how that works. And I went from a church where all but one of my students went to the same high school, so I could go to that high school with 29 cent bean burritos and visit every one of them, uh, to a, a church in Tuval, South Dakota, where they were in 16 different schools. And so I couldn't get to all of them. Right. But right. when... Mark Chase, the director of Sioux Falls, First Party Sioux Falls back in the day, uh, sat down for lunch with me a couple weeks later and said, hey, we've got clubs in 30 different schools. We've got a network of youth pastors that are working together to take the hope of Christ to those 30 different schools. Uh, would you help send your students to those 16 schools as missionaries? And you can go do one. You can go, hey, where do you need, you know, Washington High School, Patrick Henry Middle School, whatever the case might be. And I could go be the coach and, and in, equip and empower the students in one school while my, yeah, my coworkers went and did the rest. So mm -hmm. uh, as they say, that was the beginning of the rest of history, whatever. <laughs> uh, the rest is history. And so, yeah, I, I spent seven years working first priority doing the youth ministry network. Uh, we did see with the poll rallies and a lot of things together as the network of churches. Uh, but the best thing we did was, was those first priority clubs. So yeah, I joined staff in 2008 up there, helped launch some more schools. And then in 2011, I moved down here to Nashville to become part of the national office and try to help it grow around the country. Well, before we get into um, any more questions about, about First Priority, let me ask. Um, one of the things that I love to do is to hear people's story. And how did you get introduced to Jesus as a, a child or a teenager yeah. or, you know, who was investing in your life during those days? It was definitely my, my local church. I got asked this cause I am uh, supported as a missionary from that church. You know, who oh, wow. is, who is yeah. the one person who, who really mentored it and invested in you. And, and I don't know that I could point to just one person. It was uh, my sixth grade Sunday school teacher who had a reputation for just befriending the guys and, and hanging out and, and, you know, just digging into the word with us. I did accept Christ the first time. I remember it again, back in the glory days, they had the, the, the Jesus night, but they gave us all candles. I'm like, looking back, why did they give us all candles as fourth graders? But you know, <laughs> Hey, it was, it was 1982. Those were the great years, maybe 1984. And, uh, 
yeah, uh, just remember the peace of God falling on my life for the first time saying, God, I, I'm not living right. I want to, I want to live for you. And, and yeah, working out my salvation with fear and trembling since then had a couple of youth pastors, uh, invest heavily into me, um, going into college, I stayed close. So pastor Tim invited me to be an intern, uh, with the church and the youth ministry department. And then pastor Steve gave me my first speaking opportunities, uh, to lead things. And, uh, just, yeah, through the years, the people in my home church, Morris Reformed Church up in Morris, Iowa, just invested in me and empowered me and sent my wife and I off to do youth ministry. Well, to me, that is the power of the local church. Uh, Mm -hmm. Men and women who gather together, who invest these intergenerational stories, you know, of, of somebody who is maybe 40, 50 years older than that fourth grader, you know, it just mm-hmm. pouring into their life, caring about them. That's right. Uh, just, it's powerful. Um, it is. So I, one of the things that I liked as I, as I looked at first priority, even in your logo, it references the church. And I th- yes. just think that's, that's so powerful. Um, instead of trying to work around, you're trying to work through the local church and Correct. that's, that's good stuff. Share with our yes. listeners a little bit about that. Well, yeah, it's it, it's all about the local church. Like I said uh, in the beginning, um, you know, the body of Christ is alive and well in every community in the United States. And so we don't need to necessarily go create another thing, even though semantically we are another thing. We have a logo. <laughs> we have a five. We, we still have all that stuff, uh, but we don't want to replace the local church. We want to empower the church to, you know, most of them, the youth evangelism portion of it is is a mission trip in the summer but what about the other nine months right Um, can we send them to what is the largest mission field in america that is the public schools you know if you you talk about again statistics are a little bit all over the place depending and they're changing every day especially post-covid right right three months ago were old stats uh now but you know, even if 80% of the population, the student population, aren't attending church once a month or less, that's that's a pretty large mission field. And so we do need to send students to the mission field that is their school and working through the church. And it is, it's the church's responsibility. One of our uh, verses that we use a lot is Romans 10, 13 through 15. And I talk about the beginning and the end of that is our common preaching points. Um, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But there's a series of questions in between. How can they believe if they have not heard? And how can they hear unless someone preaches? And how can they preach unless they are sent? And that last question there puts the onus on us as adults to send, just like my church sent me to go do student ministry. uh, It is our job as adults to send the students out because how can these teenagers hear unless somebody preaches? And how can our teenagers preach unless they are sent? And uh, we need to send these students into their their school as missionaries uh, in order to reach and redeem a generation. So much has changed in student ministry. We're not able to to step on campuses in the same way we were back in the back in the day. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, but our students. They they have to go, <laughs> correct. And so let's let's give them motivation. Let's put them on mission um, as they step onto that campus to carry G- carry Jesus with them. And so, just wonderful stuff. L- let me ask a couple of questions about first priority. How many clubs are there around the nation? 
we ended this last year with 879 clubs. Um, and I will say with the caveat that we know about, right. um, because, you know, people move, students move to another school or youth pastors move to another town and they just keep right on a going. And, and that's great because it really isn't about us. It's about the hope of Christ to every student. And so, um, yeah, we, we know of 879 clubs in about 22 states oh, at wow. the moment and growing. So we just start in some new uh, areas. Springfield, Missouri is coming online down there. First part of the Ozarks. I think it's going to get down towards your area in, in Arkansas as well, hopefully, uh, Lord willing, over the next year. And uh, yeah, we just keep growing and expanding each year. Well, Brad, as, as a student, you know, if we're, we're trying to encourage our students with something, what would a first priority club meeting look like? Is it... Is there some format or structure to it that helps those students as they try to lead out? There is. If I may reference our website, firstpriority.club, sure. um, you scroll all the way down to the bottom, you'll see the word EPIC coming out of a good Baptist uh, setting. You know, it's an acronym for something. We want to <laughs> equip for it's a four week rotation of meetings, is, okay. is really what it is. And so, with four week rotation of meetings, with two things that we want to accomplish in there. Number one, we realize that just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you're friends with the other Christians at your school, right? A ninth grade boy has never met the high school, the senior girl. And so we do want to dig into scripture together and uh, learn the gospel, but we also want to share the gospel. And Mm so week one of our cycle is equip week. Uh, We equip students with a clear presentation of the good news, beginning to end creation, fall, redemption, salvation, um, just working through that. Um, this year, we're using the four from Bill Bright, Campus Crusade. Um, I think FCA is using that uh, quite a bit right now as well as their kind of just their formats, their structure. It's a, a, you know, you can share the gospel a thousand different ways. You know, Jesus came and died for you. Would you like to live for him? Right. So, yeah, we're walking through that, equipping Christian students to articulate the gospel because most of them have not ever been asked to do that before. So we, we want to equip them. We want them to repair their story in light of God's story. So what does their testimony look like? Um, I didn't get asked to share my story until I was in college. And when I wrote down, you know, summer of my fourth grade year, I went to camp, accepted Christ, middle school, I went through this, high school, I happened that happened. I started to see how God's hand just kind of weaved through my life. Yeah. And I tied things together that I've never realized God did for me before. And so writing out your testimony is powerful. We believe typically you get, we call it a nine month mission trip, but typically you get seven or eight cycles in a year, depending on how strategic you are. But if we train two students a month to share what God's done in their life at their school, and we give them that platform to do that in the science room or the English room, we believe that that alone will trickle out into the hallways and bring redemption to the lives of their peers mm. because they'll find themselves sharing that again in the lunchroom and in their next class and with their friend group. We believe the prepare week is, is powerful and that's a little bit of a soapbox of mine, but, but I love that one. Uh, then we have invite week. And so once a month we invite you to uh, invite your friends. Every, if everybody, we have some prayer cards that we, we hand out and those are the, who are you praying for? to hear the gospel? Who is God laying on your heart that needs to hear about Jesus? We hand those out at Equip Week, and we ask you to invite that person to Invite Week. Some of our clubs 
take it a step further and they'll invite sports teams or the student government or get really creative with that. Say, hey, our mayor is Christian. Let's invite the student government in and and have the mayor speak or something along those lines. You know, get super creative with how that works. But Invite Week is obviously where a clear presentation of the gospel is is made and and students are invited to begin their walk with Christ. And uh, then Connect Week, we want them, the students to reconnect to Christ, to the club and to a church. So what does it mean to live in with a community of believers? Um, recognizing that a new believer may not be ready to go to a church, depending on their story and and what their life has empowered. But let's begin that conversation in uh, in the school. And what is it like for each one of those students? If you have 15 students that are regular attenders in that club, just for a number, you know, maybe there's five or eight churches represented in that group, then that's a great opportunity for them to begin discussing what does it look like to live in a community of faith? Hey, yeah, my church does this or my church does that. And they can encourage each other, spur each other on and invite the new believers back to their church to become, to get discipled. That is it in a nutshell, but yeah, we provide all the resources. We have games if they have time for that. (laughs) Um, We, we encourage uh, our clubs to meet over lunch if possible because before and after schools can be hectic, but everybody is there for lunch anyway. So if you've got a 20, 30 minute lunch period, you can have a 15 or 25 minute first priority club, um, especially on invite week. If uh, the church that's sponsoring that club, that particular club, like me going to Patrick Henry middle school in Sioux Falls, if I happen to bring some pizzas that day, then the kids don't have to go stand in line. They can just go to the first priority club and, and uh, hear the gospel. Right. And go from there. So So. let's say I've got a student um, Mm -hmm. and they say, you know what? This sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I want to do this at my school. How does that person get started? Well, it's as simple as grabbing five friends, finding a teacher's classroom, a teacher who will sponsor that club for you and uh, and getting started if if they're a Class A, all academic, all American leadership type, they can just go get started, right? They don't, right, they don't right. need us, right? Um, but often there is a club coach. Um, there might be some paperwork to fill out. Um, the Equal Access Act is how students um, do this. The Equal Access Act was signed into law by Ronald Reagan in 1984 and was upheld in the Supreme Court in 92, I think. A, a young lady in middle school in Omaha, Nebraska, tried to start a Bible study. Her school said, no, you cannot do that. Uh, there's separation of church and state. And Jay Seculo, you may know that name, took that all the way to the Supreme Court and won. And so it's an established law that if there's any club at school, uh, there can be a Christian club. And the students have their First Amendment rights, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly. And so, yeah, those kids can go form their club. Like I said, there might be a few hurdles in in play there, but generally the government isn't allowed to establish religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof. And so, you know, those students can go start a club and uh, they can just get started, download the resources from our website and they can get going. I can add on to that and keep talking. If you'd like a, a little bit of a, <laughs> a, a soapbox of mine too. I, I, I got a few of them when it comes to first priority. But one thing a lot of people don't think about is that there are more students in the United States that consider themselves Christian than there are football players. Uh, if you ever thought about that or not. But if you follow the stats, there's just over 1 million high school football players in any given year. But there's probably upwards of 3 million. And again, I'm 
caveating this with students who consider themselves Christian. You know, right. you don't get down to the 4%, you know, Bible or how many times you go to church, all the other stats in there. But the students who consider themselves Christian, there are at least three times as many Christians as there are football players. But I'll ask you this question. Why are the football team more influential than the Christians are mm. if there's three times as many of them? You yeah. want to take a stab at it or you want me just to keep Go going ahead. on my soapbox? Go sure. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it, it is that establishment clause. The government is allowed to establish a football team, but the government is not allowed to establish religion. Uh. And so the government can buy a field. They can buy equipment. They can schedule the games. They can do all of those things, but they, but they cannot do that for Christianity and religion. It is up to us as believers to establish our religion inside the schools and really, it's up to the students at the schools to establish our religion. Yeah, we continue to want government authority in our lives, right? And go back to days of England or whatever the case might be. Um, a lot of people look to Washington, D.C. Uh, to help us keep our Christian values. But in, in reality, it's, it's up to us as the people to establish religion in our context. And in the case of our students, it's in the public schools. And uh, if, if they can yeah, if they take the moment to establish religion in their school, then they have that freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, and uh, they can run with it as far as, as God takes them. Man, that's, that's good stuff. It is, Brad. Um, let me ask, if we are wanting to encourage our students mm-hmm. uh, to be involved in something like this, how do we do that? How do we encourage as student ministry workers, that's who this podcast is for, mm-hmm. uh, how do we help our students take that step beyond just thinking about things in a Christian way to actually uh, stepping out onto into mission um, in their, on their campus? Well, the real spiritual answer to that question is uh, to get them to have the eyes of Jesus who mm. saw that the harvest was plentiful, but the workers were few yeah. and he had compassion on the crowds, not judgment. Um, and so one of the things that I, I like to say is there are most 11 year olds do not wake up any given morning, hoping to be addicted to meth by the time they were 18 Mm, yeah, or whatever the case might be, or being a bully even. Most kids don't wake up and say, hey, I really hope I can bully somebody today. But they are doing that mostly because of either something they did or something that's happened to them in their life previously, right? It's a response to something. And so what we need to do is help them to understand that they are created in the image of God. God has them here for a reason. He has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And uh, we can be part of helping your friend or your peers, maybe, maybe not a, a friend if they're a bully or, or, or a druggie or whatever the case might be, but it, it's, it's up to us to, to, yeah, to help our students see their friends in that light that those kids aren't going out to party because that's truly what they want. They truly are looking for God and to have compassion on the, on their friends, to love them, to care for them and even take it as far as Jesus did to say, Hey, your, your sins are forgiven. Go live a life with your savior. Right. And, uh, cause while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and let's, let's empower our kids. Let, let's help them to see why one of, one of the things when I came on staff and I started sharing the vision of first priority, um, that was t- said to me is, is you have to capture people's heart. You have to help them to know why we need to share the gospel. 
because people don't need another thing to do. Kids don't need another thing to do. They've got a lot of really cool things to do in their life with their video games and their friends and all the stuff that they've got going on. But if you can capture their heart and to help them understand that all the people in their school aren't, yeah, bullies because that's their true desire, they can have compassion, then they can say, okay, how can I help? I know why I need to go share the gospel. Now, how can I go share the gospel? Well, Brad, thank you so much uh, for sharing about the work of a first priority, of sure. sharing with us about this great need. Um, yeah. You know, our students yeah. are are there. I mean, they have that oppor- opportunity to share the gospel in a way that we can't anymore, That's right. at least in most schools. And That's even right. if we could, they're going to hear it so much more clearly uh, from that, that friend, that, that classmate. Is- that is one of the things uh, we often say, because small town America is still small town America. And a lot of people do walk onto school grounds and, and still have a lot of freedoms. But what better way to uh, to help to disciple the kids in your church than to help them to have the words of Jesus come out of their mouth? Right. Um, that's sticky faith that helps them carry that through college. And yeah, even if we can, I say, why would we? Let's let's help empower those kids to, to own their faith for themselves. Well, Brad, I know that you and um, I believe you have a partner that helps you, but you guys have a podcast as well. And so tell us about that. Well, uh, it's a weekly podcast. We spend 20 to 30 minutes every week, Steve uh, and I do, just talking about first priority, all the different variances and aspects of it. So whether you're a a youth pastor and want to be a club coach or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Listen in first priority podcast is all it is. It's take the hope of Christ. Every student's right there on our label. Uh, it should be pretty easy to identify. Well, if someone's wanting more information, um, if mm-hmm. they want to find out what to do next uh, in yeah. encouraging their students in this process, encouraging them as they step back onto campus this fall, mm-hmm. um, what's some of the ways that they can do that and reach out to you? Well, uh, our website is is the easiest way. Get on our website, click around on there. You'll see a start a club button. You can click on that. There's an online class you can take. I think it's 10 bucks just to watch some videos um, and uh, get all the information you need. The information is free on our website. You can go download it. And, and we're not out. We're a nonprofit. We're not out to make a bunch of money. We're just, you know, trying to empower people. So Right there, or you can just email me if you have a question you want to specifically, Brad at fpofamerica.com. It's not the same as our website, but FP is in first priority. fpofamerica.com is my email address. And yeah, I'd love to answer any questions you might have. Well, Brad, we'll put all those things in our show notes so people can go reach out to those. Um, Do you have any resources, books, or otherwise that you would recommend to our listeners? about encouraging our students? Well, the ones that I always come to, it's not specific uh, to encouraging students, but uh, The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson is one. Um, Just circling our schools in prayer and not getting Mm -hmm. out of that until God answers whatever it is he needs to lay in your heart about prayer, um, about that school. And uh, the other one we often look at is Visioneering by Andy Stanley, because what is God have for us? What what does he truly believe we can do in the local church? Local church is the greatest greatest thing on earth, right? 
So where, where would God have us? What can we do? What vision does we, does he want? So kind of both sides of that thing. What's the big vision out there? But let's not, let's circle those schools and not, not go away from that. Yeah. Mm, that's so, great. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, again, Brad, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us today as we've talked about uh, something that can be of great value to your students, uh, first priority clubs. And so if you need more information, be sure to check out our show notes, contact Brad and his team. They would love to share with you and get you more involved and help your students as they step back onto campuses this fall. Um, be praying for your students. Be praying for those that are involved in these clubs already and that the gospel will be shared. There are so many opportunities for your students as they go on that nine-month mission trip. I love that. That's a wonderful way for us to think of their time back in school. It's not just the thing that they have to do. It's a thing that they get to do because mm-hmm. they get to carry Jesus with them. Well, we want to keep praying for our students, loving on them, caring about them, because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.